What's up, listeners? Sam here. Welcome back to the Game of Loans podcast. Now, at the moment, everyone knows the economy, the market, it's looking pretty dismal. Um, So today, I thought I would welcome on somebody who can enlighten us a little bit as to what's going on with our economy, what's going on with economic policy, what's going on with everything from the cost of living crisis all the way to what Rishi Sunak is going to do to solve all these problems. It is the one, the only Peter Komalefi. Now, Peter is very well known um, to a lot of you, I'm sure, through appearing on Lorraine, um, Steph's Pack Lunch, various other TV shows where he comes on as the financial expert. He's a qualified financial advisor, massive YouTuber. And we went live on YouTube last week to basically just have a discussion about what the bloody hell is going on with our economy. So I've stripped up the audio, especially for you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with the awesome Peter Komalefi. Hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome. Um, today, I am really, really excited. We're just talking off air about how excited I am uh, to have Peter Komalefi come on to the, uh, the YouTube channel today um, to share um, your wealth of knowledge, pun intended, um, on, on all things on all things financial. Um, so, Peter, look, um, we got to, we got to, to meet really for the first time last week at the Peak Performance event. You gave an absolutely yep. cracking talk, um, giving a very very um, good overview of what's going on in the world at the moment, or more importantly, in the UK. Um, so, mm-hmm. obviously, I was massively keen to follow up on that and get you on to to have a little chat with me about finance because, you know, we both like geeking out about this kind of stuff, didn't we? So welcome to my my live stream. Cheers, mate. Appreciate it. And um, yeah, thanks for inviting me on. It's weird. I, I normally do live streams on my channel and it's it's very, very rare that I'm actually a guest on somebody else's channel. So this is this is nice. Yeah. Do you know what? I, I, I must admit, I, I, I really enjoy it when I get to be interviewed because it takes all the pressure off and you just a lot of the time you just get yeah. to talk about your own opinions and you don't need to really worry yeah. too much about you know presenting and, and all that kind of stuff so um yeah. enjoy mate sit back relax cheers mate um, i will do yeah. i'll, I'll yeah. try to add as much value as i as i can to everyone who's watching as well i've got i've got no doubt that you will um so look pete before we before we kick off do you want to give like a, a little bit of a, an overview as to, to who you are you know i'm sure a lot of people joining will know exactly who you are but um but yeah just give us a little breakdown of what it is you do yeah, so my YouTube channel is called Conversation of Money, although that will be changing uh, in the new year. Um, but I, I, look, I started doing um, the podcast and the channel. They started at the same time in 2020. Um, and it was really just to kind of share a lot of the stuff that I've learned through a 15-year career working in retail banking, corporate banking, and also in wealth management. I qualified as a financial advisor back in 2016. Actually, no, 15, actually. Um so I've worked with financial advisors as a consultant for wealthy people on specific pension and investment cases, also advise people as well. So naturally, as you go through your career, you learn a ton of stuff. And um, all the time I was learning, it was like, OK, well, how come I didn't know any of this when I was growing up type thing? And I wish someone had these kind of conversations with me when I was in my 20s. And so conversation of money was basically born out of that because I just wanted to share that information. And, you know, it's been two years, 10 months, and um, 
it's been crazy, really, to be honest. This year, we ventured into a little bit of TV, um, did a show for Channel 4 called Secret Spenders. That was great. Then did um, a, a stint on Lorraine. I'm now on uh, Pax Lunch on Channel 4. Um, and we've got a stint running. For, uh, well, we start, we, they had their, they returned from their summer break on September the 5th. I'm doing that show all the way up until December the 6th, which is their Christmas break. And fingers crossed, we get an extension into next year as well. But there's also other projects that we're also talking about as well in the pipeline. So the goal is to to share what I have here, um, make the information available so that people can actually benefit from it. I think a lot of the time, these concepts are made to be more complex than they are. And they're, they're, they're really simple when you strip it down to the bare bones. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And actually, one of the things I was going to actually say to you is, um, I think there is a real mismanagement of financial information portrayed in the media, which invariably can lead, as you say, when, when things are overcomplicated or even sometimes oversimplified in a negative fashion, it causes that hysteria, which can have actually a negative knock-on effect to, to a lot of people's lives. And I think there needs to be a, a real responsibility taken by those that are in the media to actually give that right advice, you know, us as as mortgage brokers, we've uh, you know I haven't really partaken in too much of it, but there's been a lot you know up a lot up in arms recently about some of the stuff that Martin Lewis, as an example, has been talking about in terms of giving mortgage advice on on live television, uh, which he shouldn't be doing, um, but some of it actually not necessarily correct. Uh, maybe he can blame his researchers for that, but um, you know these people will really have, and, and this you know this is why it's so important that someone like yourself is in the public eye, in, in, you know, on these types of shows that you wouldn't think are like, you know, they're not financial shows. People aren't watching them to get financial advice, but they are, you know, the man, the woman on the street are watching these shows. And that's why it's so important to have someone like yourself giving genuine, real um, advice. Obviously not, it's, it's not advice in the sense that we understand it, you know, FCA, mm -hmm. regular, that kind of stuff, but just giving day-to-day -day advice on, you know, what people can do to, to you know, to maneuver the, these, these difficult times, right? Yeah, you know what? It's, it's difficult, though. It's really, really difficult to skirt that line. I mean, I'm, I'm constantly finding myself battling with, so for example, like working on TV, for example, right? And uh, Pack Lunch, for example, they'll say, the, what's your advice for this? And it's like, in my head, I'm, my alarm bells are going like, I can't give you advice. I can't give you advice. I can't give you advice. But actually... I'm only thinking that way because of I've been in the industry, so I know that it's regulated. I know the implications, but for the general for the general public, there isn't really that distinction there. And I think we I can't we can't really expect the general public to understand the difference between advice and guidance. So therefore, advice is basically just advice, right? Mm -hmm. um, but in my head, I'm kind of like, okay, I need to make sure that I'm not giving too much. And and Martin Lewis is an, is an interesting one. He, obviously, he's very, very influential. And he's obviously, he's done some great work um, yeah. through the cost of living crisis. But he does skirt that line sometimes. I always try to say to people, look, it's all about, you know, your personal circumstances. I can't, this isn't what I'm telling you to do. But actually, if I put my mortgage hat on, these are the things I would be thinking about. So these are the considerations. Use that as a basis to to further do some research and stuff but it, it's it's always it's it's difficult especially in, in in circumstances like this where there's so much information out there and people are struggling man people just need help yeah i i agree and that's 
it's it's why I think I've been picking up the phone more more than I normally do. You know, a lot of the time I try and be, you know, you know when you're running a business and you've got to kind of like comp, comp, compartmentalize your time, right? Okay, mm-hmm. I've got to be doing some admin stuff now and that, you know, phone goes away and, and all that kind of stuff. But at the moment, I'm like, right, people people need the reassurance of just getting on the phone. Like last night, I was chatting to a, to a, an existing client, not necessarily right now immediate business to be done with that client, but probably stuff coming up in the new year. And he just needed that reassurance. So, you know, I, I could have been on the road back up to the West Midlands to come home just that little bit earlier. But I thought, no, no, let, let me pick up this call. Let me speak to this guy. Because clearly he just needs half an hour of my time to give him the reassurance that, you know, maybe the world isn't completely falling apart. And I guess that comes on quite neatly into, um, you know, I guess this, this I'm, I'm asked this all the time. So I'm, I'm keen to get your your idea, your your thoughts on this. You mentioned on your own live stream recently that you, you're trying not to be political. But at the moment, mm-hmm, it's very mm-hmm. but the, the yep. line between politics and economics are, are all over the shop at the moment. Um, I, I know my feelings on this. Were you were you in the same boat as me and you were actually praying that Rishi got in um, to, to be our, our new prime minister? Yeah, I was. I mean, it's been really, really interesting. I've had mixed reactions on the channel about covering a lot of the stuff that happened in in politics over the last two weeks because I'm not advocating for any particular party or anything Same. like that. What, I, what I'm interested in, in is I create content that is basically about investing, personal finance, and everything that's happened in politics has had a massive impact on that over the past month or so, whether you're looking at mortgage rates basically shooting up, uh, whether you're looking at the cost of living crisis, the decisions that we're making in terms of our personal finances because of energy prices increasing and the help that, that Liz or- originally came up with being now scrapped. So for me, it's like those two things are intrinsically linked. And so it was really, really difficult to, to pivot and, and make the constitution of, okay, I need to cover this. How am I going to cover it? But in answering your question, it's funny because the day that Liz got um, got elected, I was actually in a TV studio and there was an MP there, uh, <laughs> and a, a former MP there. And she was like, oh, you know, so who, who, do, who, do, you, who do you think is going to win? I said, well, I, I, I know who I think is going to win, but I hope Rishi actually wins because he would be the person who is more aware of how markets operate, so on and so forth. And obviously, Liz, Liz basically won, and she was she was back in Liz at the time. So, with everything that's happened, with obviously the pound tanking, Bank of England getting into prop up the bond market, and all of that debacle, interest rates going up. And you can argue that interest rates were going up anyway. That's that's true, but that budget had a significant impact in you know us seeing what is it average two year fixed rate mortgage across all deposit levels that's over six percent. That was a catalyst for that. Undoubtedly, you just you can't even debate that. And so when he got round this time, I was like, okay, safe pair of hands. And you know what? I did a live yesterday. If you look at it, the proof is in the pudding. The pound yesterday was up to one pound fifteen. What was it? A lower of one pound three against the dollar at some point during that period of time. Bond yields have gone back to the levels that they were a month ago, around about the same time as in the mini budget. So we've seen that him being prime minister and being the, the money guy who understands the market has had a material impact. What I'm hoping is that we're going to start seeing maybe some adjustments in the mortgage rates now that we know that there's going to be some stability, but all eyes are going to be on the budget, really. And, you know, yeah. it's it's a tough time, you know, tax cuts in opposed to, you know, well, tax 
rises and spending cuts when this wasn't what we were facing or what was even on the agenda two years ago. Mm, exactly. And, and you know what I've been, and, and this has been a very, um, well, it hasn't been a very popular viewpoint, put it that way, is that unfortunately the, the Conservatives are in a, in a position right now that they, I think Rishi understands what needs to be done to, 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 to get the economy back on track. It's not going to be, mm-hmm. you know, a quick fix by any stretch mm-hmm. of the imagination. But invariably, there's going to be a lot of short-term hardship that will that will fall on the man or woman on the street, mm-hmm. and it's that, and and that will the knock-on effect is that that's going to have a you know a negative impact on the public's perception of Rishi and the Conservative Party as a whole. So I think what was happening with Liz was potentially she was getting it you know voices in the back of her head saying. We need to, you know, we need to get people back on side. We need to get people back on side. Let's, let's have some appeasing policies. Mm-hmm. That wasn't going to help the economy. And at the moment, you've got to almost make a decision. Do we, do, we, do we solve the economic problem or do we help people with the cost of living crisis? Um, and potentially that means that our economic issues as a country continue for a longer period of time. And, you know, I've been saying to people, Rishi, I really think we'll pick, sort the economy out. And what could actually happen is that Rishi could come in with, with his team, you know, it's not just him, obviously, um, put us on the path to economic growth and recovery and then get voted out because of it. Um, right, so here's the thing, because I think this is really, really important. And like it, like I said, I don't, I'm not advocating for any any particular, uh, yeah, any particular political party. But I think it is important for people to kind of be aware of the economic challenges that, that we're facing. And I think what happened with the mini budget is a prime example of we're seeing that the markets have a really big influence on fiscal and economic policy. Actually, I've never seen it to this degree in previous years. Like this year, like it, we lost a prime minister because of it, because <laughs> markets lost confidence in our credibility as a country. We've yeah. never really seen it to this extent before. And the, and I understand and I completely get that, you know, and again, tabloid media has a massive role to play in this. I get the, um, the media selling the idea of we need a change, we need another political party to come in. At this point, I don't care who goes in, but I think we need to be asking the right questions of whoever gets in after the toys, because they're not going to win the next general election. I think they've done too much damage at the mm-hmm. end of the day. But whether that be Labour or Lib Dems or Green Party, whoever, we need to be asking the right questions because they're going to face the exact same issues that this current government is facing. So we need radical thinking because the tools at their disposal are the same as what this current government has basically got. And I think we run the risk of because there is so much um there is so much pressure when it comes to the cost of living prices. People are actually feeling it. I did a yesterday a video yesterday analyzing all the issues that we're facing. Interest rates going up, inflation. And I've been saying all this year, interest rates and raising them is not going to impact our inflation number. Why? Because it's not the simple supply versus demand, spending too much money equation. It's energy prices. If we don't fix that, Inflation is going to keep going up. Interest rates are going to keep going up. And the byproduct of increasing your interest rates is mortgages go up, rents go up, the cost of service in debt goes up, your disposable income gets dwindled. That's just on the energy side of things. So when you start in, you know, incorporating food prices, fuel prices, 
Now you're getting into an unsustainable situation where you're squeezing people at the lower end and the middle end of society as well. And the 1% are okay. Now, with that being said, if Labour gets in, Lib Dems get in, Green Party gets in, still the same issue, still the, exactly the same problem. So what are you going to do that's going to be different to this current government? And I think people need to understand that and people need to be asking the right questions. A guy called Gary Stevens, who's been on my channel, he's an economist, right? So he was one of the most successful traders. He was the most successful trader for Citibank millionaire in, in his own right he did a video last week talking about the fact that in order one of the things that we need to consider in order to get out of this is there needs to be a wealth tax or a tax on wealth and what he was proposing was a one percent tax on wealth over over 10 million quid speaking to labor labor mps not something that they think will win an election so they're not even going to consider it we need radical thinking and i think people need to yes there's a lot of noise in the media but we need to step back and really understand what's going on and what the options are. Because I, I fear what you just said there. I think Rishi will do the right things in order for credibility to return, for us to be in a better place. Or I say better place because people have different interpretations of that. Be in a better position economically than we are now. But in two years' time, if it's the change of the old guard, are things going to be reversed to make that even worse? It's, it's, it's a difficult thing. And... People talk about, you know, needing a, a radical change in politics. We need a radical change in ideas, mate. Yeah. I, do you know, I, I love all, that, all the stuff that you're saying. And actually, go, going back to what you were talking about, about all the, the all the little, not little, they're not little. Of course, they're not little. All the little parts of the the the, the puzzle that make up the big the bigger picture of, you know, all of our issues that we have economically. And, you know, the one that I think, I mean, obviously comes up time and time and time again is, you know, our, you know, our energy bills. And I think you said on your most recent podcast about potentially by sometime next year, they could there could be an increase up to 75% or something along those sort of lines. Yeah. That clearly is unsustainable. Yeah. I mean, so this is this, this is the issue, right? So again, in, in the analysis video I did yesterday, they were talking about actually wholesale gas prices are coming down. So the forecast for, for well, the forecast was two weeks ago. They were saying... In April, 74% increase. This is from what people are already paying right now. It is, which is unsustainable. Which is on, on earlier in the year as well. Don't yeah. It's yeah. like, it, it's, it is unsustainable. So I feel sorry for Liz because it's like she needed to take action on energy prices because, look, guess what? You know, people were talking about don't pay UK, all this kind of stuff, you know, uprisings. And what do you do? Now, it's, it's a, you can't win. It's a lose-lose situation. She announces something worth £150 billion. We don't have the money. We've got to borrow it, okay? But if she didn't do that, she would have got slaughtered for it. Mm. So now that it's been reversed, it's like, it's such a difficult situation to, to be in. Could, it, could things have been done better? 100%. They could have, you know, got the Office of Budget Responsibility to have a look over the numbers just to kind of give the, the market confidence. That didn't happen. But it is a lose-lose situation. No matter what happens, we need to find a way of doing something with energy. And, and the reality is, right, It's sim if you look at it from an economic point of view, right, if you look at supply versus demand, so you've got massive demand for something that is in short supply, what tends to happen is you ration the supply across the demand, right? That would be the logical thing to do. 
Europe is talking about rationing energy. We're not talking about rationing energy. Unfortunately, mm. that's where it's going to go if we can't fix the energy any energy uh, problem. And you know, all these ideas about setting up a you know Great British Energy, all that kind of stuff. It's a great idea in theory, but what does it look like in practice? We need we need to be moving on this literally right now. And if you know you wanted to look at it in hindsight, we can say we should have been invested in you know green energy and you know really put our backs into that properly three, four, five years ago, but we are where we are now. So we need to know what the plans are moving forward right now, because there is no getting around the fact that it's going to be painful for the next year, maybe even two. But mm -hmm. how do we get into a better place? That's the big question. Well, that, that was actually, as you were saying that, I, I, was, I was literally thinking the same thing in terms of, you know, we've been, I mean, how long has the term renewable energy been, you know, on, on the agenda? And mm -hmm. actually, have we now were we taking for granted the fact that, yeah, that's going to happen. Like, yeah, we will sort that out at some point. It's like, it's that, it's that old thing. Just keep pushing it down the road and, and eventually mm -hmm. we'll get to it kind of thing. But now we're actually at a point where if 10 years ago, even we had invested more heavily into renewable energy sources as a country, the UK is incredibly lucky actually for a renewable energy source because we're surrounded by water so, mm -hmm. you know, we, 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 we have that as a, as a potential option in terms of, and, and, you know, those waves are pretty rocky, um, I've been told. Uh, surfing mm -hmm. around the UK is not bad. Um, <laughs> and, and, it's, and it's particularly windy as well. You know, yeah. we might not get a lot of sun, but we get a lot of wind. Um, yeah. So there's two options there where we could have gone absolutely hammer and tong into that. And would we now, as a country, I mean, think about it. I mean, look, I'm, I'm, this is all like, you know, pie in the sky stuff now because it's should have, would have, could have. But we might have even been in a position where, you know, the rest of Europe is going, oh, can we can we maybe buy a bit of your energy? And suddenly yeah. we've got another export um, that, that we that we can get out. You know, how how um, we, we, are we in a better position than the likes of Germany, for example, to create our own renewable energy sources? Yes, probably, mm -hmm. because we are surrounded by water, because we're windier, because, you know, we, we have we have those resources. So. You know, I guess the issue that we face right now is, do we, you know, there's a there's a little hole in our balloon. Do we put put a plaster over it because we need to get by or do we just blow up a new balloon um, or do we have to try and do both, which is which is even harder. And I guess all this comes back down to the fact that the government at the moment have a lot to juggle. Um, they've got to look at the short, the medium and the long term implications of absolutely everything that they do. Yeah, um, but, but also, but they, they need, this is the thing that frustrates me, like, they need to pull together. Like, I get that, you know, Labour want to get in power and other, other, other parties want to get in power and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, with all this political infighting, even within the toy parties, like, you need to forget all of this factuous tension that you have amongst you in Parliament and just get together and be like, right, we're in a really messed up situation we need to figure out how we're going to work this out as a group of MPs that are that are nominated, elected to serve the people. The political infighting is absolutely mad. And there is so much of that at the moment. It's taking over the agenda. And I think they just need to be grown ups and just focus on, look, people are hurting. Like yeah. people are in fuel poverty. People are in food poverty. All this backbiting, fighting with each other about calling an election, like, if the shoe was on the other foot, you wouldn't call the election. So that's not going to happen. You've got two years. Make the best of the next two years. 
work together as a collective, regardless of political party, to help people get through this. It's not what 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 we're facing is not a a quick fix. It's going to be extremely painful, but we need to be thinking radically. We need to we need to, we need wholesale change really around our entire system, the way things work. We need radical thinking. If you just think about you know the pensions and the triple lock, triple lock potentially going. I mean, come on, like that's disastrous in its own right. And this furthers the argument of. Is the state pension going to be around in 10, 15, 25 years time? With yeah, everything well, that they introduced with pension freedoms, they're, they're angling to get rid of that. It's going to take some guts to, to really get rid of it. But when I say radical thinking, we need radical thinking because, you know, what happens if you give birth to a child and your child gets five, ten thousand pounds to go into a pension pot, which is invested for his entire life over 60 years? Why don't we do that? That is surely more cost effective than actually funding a state pension. We need radical thinking, radical thinking, because the, the way things are working currently and the way they have worked, it's not working for today's society. All the stuff that you're saying, I'm, I'm smiling, not because I'm, I'm kind of making it make, making a funny out of the deep political and, and economic crisis that we're in um, it's the fact that you're saying all the stuff that I'm thinking so it's nice to know that someone you know someone of your uh, your intelligence and, and knowledge is thinking the same as me makes me feel better about myself anyway <laughs> but you know what you talk about the political infighting and, and honestly it drives me nuts so somebody asked me the other day they said do you think we should have a general election I said absolutely not and I said why I said well number one do you know how much general election costs mm -hmm. um I said it costs a lot of money which we don't have clearly we don't have otherwise things would be better Secondly, we, how, how long... We, you know, it's going to do for the market. That's going to be what, bad for the market. It's going to be bad. And, and everyone takes their eye off the ball. Everyone's looking at the election. And actually, as you say, I've got no political agenda. Whatever party it is that, that's in power, I just hope they do the best for the country. But someone like Keir Starmer calling for the election, that to me is a clear indication that he prides his own party and he just wants to get into power over actually helping um, the economy. I, had, I don't know if you're the same as me, I, whenever I'm like listening to something, I, in fact, I actually think I was listening to your podcast when I when I when I when this happened. I go into like little daydreams about stuff, and I like and I think think about things. And I actually had this like little mini daydream. I was driving, listening to your podcast, I think, and I had this thing of you know when you know you see Prime Minister's Question Times, and, and they're, they're in they're in them uh, the uh, the House of Commons, and they can't really talk to one another. They have to talk via the speaker and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. And I had this vision in my head of Keir Starmer going at Rishi as he, as he does invariably, as they always do. And, and Rishi turning to Keir and going, mate, let's stop this bollocks. Let's, we need, should we work together on this? Because the, the, the country's more important than the Conservative Party and the Labour Party and any other party. So mm -hmm. I, know, I know what you want. I know you want to get into power and, I, and it might well happen in the future. But right now, should we just sort this shit out? And I had to start a vision in my head of them doing it. And I that's, just thought, how, how awesome would that be? How awesome would that be? That's what needs to happen. It needs to happen. It's, but I don't, I don't have confidence that it, that it will. And that's, that's the scary and really sad fact of the matter. It's just, you know, I, I made a joke because obviously I've been, you know, covering news and all this kind of stuff. I made a joke that we need to have a live stream where we have popcorn and beer and we just sit there and watch PMQs because it's, it's like, it is like theatre. It's like kids mm. infighting. 
it's like it reminds me of a school ground where you've got yeah. like the head the head kid and everyone's just throwing insults and questions all over the place and i'm just like it's it's amusing to watch but it's our politicians who are supposed to be running the country like yeah. come on guys like we can do better than this surely yeah I, I, and i agree I, look, I, i'm i'm very well aware that how the human psyche works not wanting to get into like psychological stuff but when you are in a position of power it does change you um and i think that's you know that does happen to politicians there's no politician that starts off on the road on a you know on the you know on their political career that doesn't you know genuinely want to help the country change the country mm -hmm. you know improve things um but as you get higher up that food chain things change um and and you you know it does change the, the way you think and the way you do things but i just i i agree with you it's 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 pathetic to watch and and there are you know there are times when i just it's watching prime minister's question time is a bit like driving down a motorway and some <laughs> other idiot driving driving alongside you is driving like a twat and all you yeah. want to do is so i don't use my horn very often because i think what's the point what i want to do is i want to stop i want just want to stop time wind the window down and go talk me through what you've just done like what what's what's going on here man you just you've just swerved in front of me at 97 miles an hour nearly nearly took the front of my car off um you know what, what's going through your mind and i want to do the same to the politicians i want to go right let's just i just want to ask what are you doing like yeah. what, why are you why there's more important things going on right now than you know you just insulting each other it just makes you look bloody stupid and i would love yeah. to say to keir starmer do you genuinely believe that a um that general election is the best thing for this country um because he knows in his heart of hearts he isn't he must do he's not a stupid bloke he's a, he's a very intelligent man yeah but you know what this is where you know you'll be surprised what people think i mean people will people do all sorts of things because they think, think it's the right thing to do and i think that's where you get into this internal space of you're in your own bubble um, and because you're so focused on this one thing that is in front of you and the task that you feel that you should be fulfilling, that you you lose all perif peripheral vision. And I think sometimes that's kind of what happens in politics, I think. Yeah, it happens in most jobs. Why would politics be any different? I think there's so much focus on, you know, we're getting these messages and we, we're hearing this, 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 that I think everyone just needs to take a step back macro and just really look at, look, we're in a really difficult time right now because all of this stuff doesn't help people day to day on, on the ground who have seen their rents increase, who have seen their mortgage increase, who have seen their energy prices basically destroy any semblance of disposable income that they have. You know, people aren't even, we're lucky at the moment, the weather's still pretty decent and we're like <laughs> literally at the end of no, end of October. Listen, you, you get to this time in November when the, when the temperatures start plummeting and those, those thermostats go on. I mean, Jesus Christ, mate, people are going to feel real pain at this point and we need some kind of tangible intervention. And mm -hmm. it is simple things like, you know, you need to do the unpopular thing. Windfall tax. B BP and Shell are saying, tax us, mm -hmm. tax them. And I think that is something that Rishi is considering now. I think at least we're seeing this in the news this morning. Yeah. But they, there needs to be bold new um, approaches taken. If that means, listen, guys, we've got a tax you. We'll find some way, shape, or we'll find a way to be able to offset this in in some way, shape, or form for future investment. Do whatever you need to do, but something needs to happen right now to help people on the day to day. I mean, yeah. it's 2022. It's the UK. What with the fifth, sixth largest economy in the world, how can we be in this situation? Yeah. How can we be in this situation? 
I mean, I think everyone's putting putting it into perspective as well. You say, you know, we talk about ourselves in like the league table of, you know, the world economies. Um, we're not the only country suffering. You know, we are mm-hmm. not the only country suffering. I just think over the last, let's say, month that, you know, the, the trust era um, that we've we've taken um, we've taken a tumble. Um, and from an international perspective, the confidence in our economy dropped off for various reasons, you know, that we, we've mentioned, you know, we had that, you know, ridiculous mini budget that coincided mm-hmm. with a rate increase and the two didn't seem to match up, um, which then obviously had the knock on effect of, you know, the, the pound having a mini run and all that sort of stuff. That was a, that was just a sign that the international community had lost confidence in our market. Now, as a country, we have to remember history we, you know, our bounce back ability to use a, a, fo- a football term, I think that was originally, um, yeah. historically is very good, you know, and you've already mentioned this, you know, we are back at, with various different um, aspects of our economy, we are back to pre-trust or pre-mini budget levels. Um, mm-hmm. that's, that's actually quite, quite um, impressive. It's know? a massive turnaround. It's a massive yeah, turnaround yeah, in a very short economy, period yeah. of time. Yeah, exactly. We, we have all yeah. the ingredients um to get this sorted you know i I say to people all the time okay right barring a few little (laughs) misdemeanors recently politically compared to the international community very stable economically historically very stable we've got a good um we we have we we're we're lucky enough um to have what i believe to be the financial capital of the world in london Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and we also have a lot of foreign investment that still continues to stream into our country um we have a lot going for us. So that I, I love to talk about, you know, the positives, glass half full mentality. Yes, we've got some dark times to come, but you know what, we have some ingredients to get this done. Yeah. And I think actually, you know what, on the positive side of things. So when the mini budget actually came out, I actually made a video where I, where I stated, I highlighted the things that I thought were good mm-hmm. because I thought it would be different. So the things that I thought were good were stamp duty. Mm-hmm. going to help a lot of people, first-time buyers, get on the property ladder. The suggestions on IR35 for freelancers, great, okay, because you want to stimulate growth. That's a way of actually doing that. Low investment zones, great, right? Corporation tax, keeping that at 19%, great. It will allow companies to be able to invest into their own businesses, right, mm-hmm. a lot more. We need that in terms of if you're going into recession, you need companies to grow to get out of that. There were some really, really good things in that budget. And this is, again, where media kind of takes over. The big contention was the cut to the 45p tax bracket. That was the biggest contention. That and the fact that actually you're borrowing 150 billion quid for that energy intervention. So the, 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 the dynamic from the market point of view is, you're taking out a massive amount of money, but you're reducing your receipts in. So actually, how on earth are you going to be able to afford this long term? That was the that was the killer bit that the media ran with. And actually, from a fiscal point of view, it does have question marks. But I yeah. feel as though the other elements, the IR35, the stamp duty, all those other bits and pieces, they didn't get the airtime or the potential. Um, forecast of right what positive what's the positive impact net net to the GDP do those policies bring to the table and it was kind of just this frenzy because I'm I'm very much like you mate I prefer to look at right what what things can we control 
So when we talk about this from a personal finance point of view, right, what are the things that I can control within my own personal finances to ensure that I don't get wiped out or I don't put myself at risk during these periods of time? Because the, polit- the politics, the markets, you can't control that. You've mm-hmm. got no sway, no influence whatsoever. So you have two choices. You can, you can watch the bad news, get frustrated, get annoyed, and basically get on this bandwagon of this is terrible. It's just the end of the world in this real just radiators and drain pipes is my phrase, right? It's a drain pipe scenario where it's just sucking out all the enthusiasm and energy from you. And it's just it's doom and gloom. I like radiators. I like to look on the bright side, right? How do we fix this? Are there opportunities within that? But I think the media and the content that we consume puts us firmly in one of those camps, mm-hmm. either a radiator or a drain pipe. And you just have to choose where you want to be. Agreed. And and you know what, this 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 rolls on to, um, I guess, a, a slightly different point in, we, we talked about the macro. In terms of the micro, what, what the, the average man and woman on the street can be doing right now, and I'm saying to people exactly what you essentially just said, which is, in a roundabout way, you can't change certain things. So you have to take responsibility for your own lives and say, right, this this is going up, this is going up, this is going up. What can I do? And we are incredibly lucky to be living in the UK, despite all the stuff we've just been talking about for the last half an hour or so. We are incredibly lucky because we've never lived in a greater time um, in terms of opportunity to be able to create more income for yourself. Mm -hmm. It starts off with the management of your own personal financial situation. This is the time where everyone should be taking more responsibility to look after that for themselves. You know, do what, go through everything that you're, that, you know, that you're paying out for on a monthly basis and just strip that down to what is actually barely, you know, what is needed right now. Yeah, yeah. And, and Sam, look you at know opportunities what? To, 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 to increase income streams. I, I'll tell you what, there is something that's been going around on social media, which drives me nuts at the moment, right? And it's this whole Netflix. Netflix is counting. Netflix isn't going to help you. And I'm just like, where did this come from? Where have we? Where? Where did we get to this juncture where it's like, and the, and this is the genius of Netflix and corporate like pricing. Mm-hmm. They price their product to a point where it's nine ninety nine or whatever it is right now, and people think that by canceling that, it's going to have no, no net positive impact on their own personal finances Mm. it's it's genius from a corporate pricing point of view but people i think miss the point it's like it's not about the 999 799 it's the accumulation of those kind of services right because most most businesses are on subscription basis have that they're within that price point so if you've got 10 of them you've got five of them Actually, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, it's 50 quid. Now, 50 quid is a damn sight more than 9.99, but you've mm-hmm. done that across four. And we were saying this before we even started recording. It almost feels like, as, as you know, a financial expert, it almost feels like a platitude asking people to, you know, really pay attention to what they, they've got coming in and what they've got going out, because it almost feels like we're at this stage at the moment where a lot of people would have already have done that. There's only so much fat you can cut. But that does lead on to the other thing you're talking about. Look, now, if if at all, it's all about trying to make sure that if you can increase your income a little bit through side hustles or whatever it is that you can do, 
that's going to take a lot of pressure off. And we do have help in the, in the country with a benefit system that that helps people. It's it's looking at all the avenues available, but taking ownership. And, you know, if you, I'm lucky, mate. Like, you know, when I started this two years ago, if someone said to me my business would be online and I'd be doing okay, I would have I would just laughed, would have laughed in your face. Yeah. <laughs> but it is true. You know, the online opportunities right now are huge. And it's, I, I just say it's it's important for you to find something that, Maybe for the interim, it's necessity, but long term, you find something that you have an intrinsic interest uh, in and you're you're motivated by. Because if you're able to turn that into your main source of income, it doesn't necessarily feel like work. But that's a journey. It's not a quick fix. It's you've you've got to give it time. And that may not necessarily be encouraging to people at this point in time, whether if they're struggling. And on, on that as well, it, it's the flip of what you were saying about those little small incremental amounts. Like you said, you know, people are going to, they're not going to go, oh, I'll cancel Netflix 10 extra quid a month. But and on, and on the flip side, or what, you know, whatever it might be, on the flip side, when people talk about income streams, they think in thousands, when the reality is that thousands aren't necessarily needed right now. Mm-hmm. You know, if you could, like everyone's got something that they could sell, they could offer on a consultancy basis, whatever it might be. And even if you're making, you know, an extra couple of hundred quid a month um, that could be the foundation of something that could in the future create you a couple of thousand quid a month, happy days. But right now, you know, if you if you if you look at it from from an annual income perspective, and I say this to, to obviously I work in in property and as, as a as a broker, and and I say to my clients all the time that they turn their nose up. I had a conversation even a couple. Of, I remember a couple of years ago, um, a, a guy I used to work with who was a, a financial planner, and he was like, "Oh, buy to lets are crap, aren't they?" And I said, "Well, you know, talk talk to me about that." And he said, "Well, what's the point in buying in getting something that's going to make you two hundred quid a month net income?" And I said, "Yeah, but that's two thousand four hundred pounds a year." I said, how many people right now could walk into their boss's office and say, I'd like a £2,400 um, increase in my hey, salary? Right. Yeah. Very few. Very few. So actually, just finding something that could make you £200 a month, that's £2,400 a year additional income that you probably won't be able to get through groveling to your boss. So when you think of it on those sorts of terms, that's when... and then But then you've got... You do both of those in tandem... You get the extra 100, 200, you save the extra 100, then suddenly you've got a net gain of three or 400 pounds a month. And that's a, that's a really nice swing, actually. There are very few people in this country that are thinking along those lines. And do you know what? We're, 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 you go, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, unfortunately, I do it far too often. You go on Twitter and all you see is people moaning, moaning, moaning. You know, the politicians doing this, politicians doing this. Well, guess what? Forget the politicians. Think about what you can do personally. You can sa- you can save your own economy. You can save your own personal economy by doing some of the stuff that we've just been talking about. But I just think, unfortunately, we've we've particularly in the last probably couple of decades, we have a whole generation of people that have had it so good that they don't know how to deal with things when they're not so good. Um, and it's kind of a bit of a shame because right yeah. now opportunity is rife. Absolutely. I, I would definitely echo that. I mean, we've had a situation where things have been so cheap, interest rates have been so low. It's like, oh, you know, this is, we're paddling and it's just all downhill and it's gravy and it's great. Well, actually, tides change and mm. the preparations and getting yourself ready for 
the tough times during the easier times, I think is what we've missed because it's just been so easy. It's been, and you know what, ironically, because debt has been so cheap, it's that debt that will kill people now because people are over leveraged. People have got way too much debt that it's actually at to the point now where when you see energy price increases, food price increases, you've still got to pay this debt. It's like, what do I do? I'm screwed. And this is where we get down to even more fundamental um, elements of, of money and money management around actually... It's the simple, I use the monopoly analogy at the talk uh, a week ago, right? Monopoly. Why is it that we, uh, and again, I just don't understand it. I I really, really don't. The rules of monopoly are a prime example for life, right? Art imitates life. If you go around that monopoly board and you do not buy any assets, you are going to get wiped out. (laughs) So when you play monopoly, what do you do? You want to buy some assets. You want to buy some property. So when someone lands on your shit, someone's paying you. So (laughs) why do we not take that principle into real life? I don't understand. We literally collect, we we pass go, collect our wages and just have a good old time going around, never buying anything. And this is where, shit, we should have bought some properties, by the way. Do you know what? It's so funny that, so so when, when you were doing that talk last, last week, I was sitting next to Andrew Craig, um, and I turned to him and I said, I'm really glad that my wife's not here. And he said, what, what do you mean? So, so my, my wife has this thing. She, she won't play Monopoly with me because I don't, she's never beaten me at Monopoly ever. Um, <laughs> and it's, and it's literally, but also it should, should say hello to Graham and Alan who have just, just commented. Um, but, um, I, I, I say to her, the, there is a strategy that means that you can win. And there, but if you don't follow that strategy, you will definitely lose. And that is mm-hmm. when you land on something, buy it, no matter what it is. If it's old Kent Road, I couldn't care less mm-hmm. because that, and, and that's actually how you win Monopoly, but it is how you win, win at life. Um, I'm quite sad. I'm quite a big Robert Kiyosaki fan. I actually downloaded, which I only, I, re, I recently realized has now gone. I'm like, I paid 10 quid for this. Um, I was going on a, on a, on a flight and, and I downloaded the cash flow game um, as an app on the um on my ipad and for any of you that that aren't familiar with it that are watching it's it's kind of almost a little version it's, it's halfway between monopoly and game of life i don't know if you ever played that um but essentially you've got to go around and you know if, if you, you are you're acquiring assets that make you money um and you're but sometimes you can you can borrow money to buy those assets and, and all that kind of stuff and you're getting your, yourself you've got like a an aim to reach a point where you're at where your net um, monthly income is more than the employed income that you start off with. And then you get mm-hmm. to you, you're then promoted out of what they call the rat race. And it's a really clever game that, you know, when, I, when I'm potentially blessed with kids at some point in my life, they're going to be playing that game because it just absolutely teaches you how, how basically it teaches you how the rich get rich. You know, mm-hmm. we are entering and I'm, I, I'm, again, I'm saying this, I've been regurgitating this for the last two weeks. We are entering 2023. If you're interested in, in acquiring assets, whether it is whether it is property, businesses, you know, whatever it might be, the opportunity is going to be insane. Insane. And guess what? The rich are just sitting there thinking, I know. Wait for it to I happen. Know. Like, I bring know. it on. They're but sitting there people, rubbing their hands. Yeah. If the man on the street had that mentality, you know, how how different this 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 world would be but yeah it's... well that, 
that goes back to the fundamental thing of like we don't get taught this in school and I, I it's know. funny because i was speaking to someone yesterday because um i've been approached to be a board on the um board of trustees for a group of academies of 64 academies and i said look there is one thing that i'm interested in if i were to get involved in this it's quite a commitment of time it's over four years as well it's not paid i said mm-hmm. there's one goal that i have if i were to be involved in this and that is to figure out how we can tangibly change the financial education um syllabus and actually mm-hmm. implement and build something that would work that mm-hmm. we'd be able to provide for free if the government doesn't want to change the the government's not going to change syllable right they're just the syllabus they're not going to do that mm-hmm. that was my aim and i started talking about why i thought it was so important and they were like we've never thought of it this way. And these are people who are on the board of trustees for like an academy of 64, 64 academies. It's like, you've never thought of it this way. It's like, to a certain extent, I I get from a financial education point of view, when the syllabus was built, when the curriculum was built, people could go into a job, you'd have a job for life. You'd have a cushy old final, final salary pension. You never have to worry about retiring. You're going to be sweet. The world's moved on from that. Yeah. Like there is no job for life. There is no final salary pension anymore. Like property prices have soared so high that the average person can't even afford a deposit on these things, right? It's an uphill battle for most people. Then you you compound that with the fact that our kids who are in school right now are not even equipped to deal with the financial landscape as it currently sits they're not hearing about the stock market pensions they're not hearing about crypto and how to deal with the scams and the dangers of all of this new technology it's way 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 behind and they need to be brought up to date and you know these are the kind of things that if i were to be in government it's like guys hello yes all this other stuff is there but imagine how much better off we would be as a generation of people if when you were like 11, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, you were learning about the basics of money management, you're learning about the basics of, you know, how to run a business, how to invest, pensions, all this kind of stuff, the markets. Imagine how much more clued up you were going to be in terms of the choices that you make mm-hmm. when it came to your early financial decisions, in opposed to allowing what historically has happened is allowing the banks or trusting the banks to do the right thing and educate people in the right way yeah. at behest of their own bottom line. And I can say that with confidence because I worked in those banks, you know, think about how much better we would be off because we'd be making better financial decisions. And mm-hmm. you, that's where conspiracy theories come into it because it's like, well, why would they do that, Pete? They want you to be slaves. And I don't necessarily agree with that 100%, but the system's broken and we need it to be fixed. Agreed. You know, it's funny. So the, the thing I always say is, we come out of school knowing what Pythagoras theorem is, but mm-hmm. we don't know. We m- most people wouldn't know the first thing about how to set up a bank account, mm-hmm. or what a mortgage actually is, how you pay it off, how you, how you apply for it. You know what? How the stock market works. You know yeah. how you how a credit in, score works. How a credit. Exactly. You, you know, um, simple and you know what, what annoys me is so I was at that when I left school. I was at the. We were probably in the sort of a very similar sort of generation, I think. Um, so when I was at school, IT, IT was kind of like a side thing. You know, you did it as yeah, it's a one one hour a week kind of thing. But shortly after I left school, it became more of a, a main topic, a main a main class. You know, mo- a lot of more kids were doing GCSEs in IT and all that kind of stuff. 
And when I look back on that now, I'm like, okay, so as a the 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 education system does know how to change with the times. So because they saw that that opportunity, right, IT was suddenly becoming more important than just knowing how to send an email and set up a mm -hmm. database on an Excel spreadsheet. You know, understanding more advanced stuff should be taught in schools, and that happened. Why did the same thing not happen, and why is the same thing not happening with you know with with understanding finances? As I said, money management. You know, again, I was talking about it on Thursday. Money I'll, management I'll tell you exactly is, why. is the foundation. Is the foundation. I'll tell, I'll tell you exactly why. It's because the people who build this curriculum are not from backgrounds where they've ever had to worry about money and budgeting. <laughs> right, and this is where you talk about the disconnect between politicians and the, and just the the general public. Yeah. If you if you're if you're in government. And, and this is the other thing that I, I still don't understand about our political system, right? You could be the um, the head of secretary for education or whatever it is we call it here, right? And have no background in that field. Like literally zero background. It makes yeah. no sense. But if you've, if you've been eaten educated, you come from a privileged background, you've never had to worry about budgeting your last 10 mm -hmm. pounds. You've probably never been in debt and had the anxiety and depression that goes along with the fact, oh, my God, I owe £2,000 on credit cards. I'm underwater. You've never had to worry about any of that. Mm -hmm. And that's the criticism that's being labelled at Rishi right now, which mm -hmm. is a just it's a just thing. But if 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 the people who are building these curriculums and making policies have never really had any financial struggles, how do you expect them to understand that actually we need to equip our kids? Their kids are being equipped. Because they have trust funds and they're probably talking to their kids about, oh, yeah, we got this trust fund and this is invested in this market. We got this business. Their kids mm -hmm. are getting it. That's their bubble. That's their reality. But for like that reality doesn't apply to the 99% of other people who are in society. So you have this massive disconnect. And that's why it's not in the school curriculum, because they just they're sweet. Like they're yeah. they're OK. It's funny. Yeah. Like you talk about, you know, the 45% cut in the in the tax bracket. All of the MPs are earning over one hundred and fifty thousand pounds. So effectively, you're giving yourself a pay cut. Really, to be fair, under the guise of is going to encourage investment from other people coming into the country. Good argument. But if you wanted to be cynical, you can't get past that. Mm, optics doesn't look too good because of where we are in society. And there's that there's that simple disconnect. Yeah, I agree. Gra Graham just actually uh, come on and said schools are set up. Uh, to fail, set us up to fail in everyday life. Education is behind the times. I, I, I couldn't, I, just, I genuinely couldn't agree more. Um, you know, and it's, I've, I've always kind of harbored a little bit of an ambition in the back of my mind that I get to a point where, you know, I could go back to my old school or, you know, schools in my area and be able to just say to them, look, I, I, I'll come in and just, just, you know, do some after school clubs or whatever to teach kids about this kind of thing. And um, I don't know how, how that would work, but at the moment, effectively we are we're, we're the, the system is 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 relying on on somebody potentially doing that um can i can i ask you a question actually can i yeah, ask you a question i'd love to i'd love to get your thoughts on this right so the pfs do like um they do things where financial advisors will go into schools and teach people about money and stuff right mm -hmm. and this is a double this is a double-edged question here so I'm obviously on that list of people who will go a lot, who would volunteer to go to go to schools and stuff. Now, I got a, a request a couple of weeks ago, about a week and a half ago for a school in Birmingham near me. Mm -hmm. And um, I said to him, I said, look, I'm just I'm really curious. Like, I, is there anything on here about investing in crypto and all this kind of stuff? And they were like, no. And I'm like, but. 
cryptocurrency trading, all of this stuff, if depending on the age group and the age group that I'm that you're telling me that I should go in with, that's what they're seeing on Instagram. That's mm-hmm. what they're seeing on TikTok. And it's not in what you're teaching. Because I oh, would never thought of that. And I'm just like, how could this be? So my question is, do you think so? When you look at some of the the uh, consult the the papers that were published by the government around financial education, back in two thousand and nineteen, the recommendation was they need they needed help from the industry, from financial services, financial advisors, all that kind of stuff. And that's to be fair, what the PFS mm-hmm. is doing. Yeah. Do you think that even within our community as financial advisors, mortgage advisors, that we still don't necessarily understand the challenges that these kids are seeing? Because I've stepped away from it now. I'm no longer advising. My base is social media. I see the content that the content is out there. Mm-hmm. And I, for the life of me, cannot understand why there isn't something around trading, crypto, keeping yourself safe around those kind of scams and what to look out for is not in what is being voluntarily given to these schools to teach kids about these days. I find it weird. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. So, yeah, so, so the, the, the first thing you, you, you were saying is, are we as the financial services industry equipped to give that kind of level of, 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 of feedback? Probably not, but it's all about levels. So do we need to be absolute, you know, uh, masterminds at, at cryptocurrency to just be able to give the basic level of warning knowledge? Probably, probably not. So I think that's what it's all about is, so my, my viewpoint um on investing and stuff like that is you've got investing you've got trading um and they are two very very different things and i believe that if you're not investing you don't just go it's 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 like a it's a, it's it's like playing a playing super mario you know you don't you don't yeah, start yeah, at yeah. level 12 you start at level one level one yeah it's your basic investing you know just putting money aside in your isa putting money aside in a rainy day fund you know that's the basic stuff. Then you graduate into some more and, and, and investing long term, putting money away, doing all those kind of things. And that's the stuff that needs to get taught a little bit more. Trading, in my opinion, I will never trade cryptocurrency. I will never trade currency because I'm not I, because number one, I'm not an expert. And number two, I don't have the time or inclination or interest in becoming an expert. I'm never going to trade NFTs. Because I don't, I, I'm not a master at it. And if you're going to trade, and this goes all the way, you know, you, this is this is this is nothing new. Trading stocks has been around for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Unless, decades, yeah. Yeah, unless you are an absolute god at that kind of, and you're gonna, that's gonna become your main number one focus for your life. I personally don't believe that you should be trading because it's not trading; it's gambling. Um, and you can put your faith into somebody a very good friend of mine is a complete under the radar forex trading guru right and i i mean he talks to me about it and i'm like why are you not like on social media like pounding this out because you can make a fortune to be quite honest on courses and all this mm-hmm. kind of crap mm-hmm. and he doesn't mm-hmm. he knows he's got such a bad rep he's quite happy just to do it for himself and be bloody good at it and you know he talks to me about it and i'm thinking i i've got i've i, I couldn't do what you do um, and that's okay, actually, by the way. But I have said to him, well, look, if I do have some cash at some point in the future, could I get you to trade it for me? Because you know how to do it. And that's got, that'll be another bow, sorry, another string to the bow of investment that I would have. And he said, yeah, of course I would. Yeah, that's fine. So I think that's the key, is teaching about the dangers of going from 
you know, there's no cheat that you can put into your Super Mario to get you to level 12, which is trading yeah. cryptocurrency. So when you're on, you know, on TikTok, on Instagram, you're watching these reels, these, these videos where people are saying, you know, you should be trading crypto, you should be doing that. Actually, and I spoke to um, a guy called D Ludlow um, about this, who's very, very um, savvy when it comes to these types of investments. And I said to him, I said, from my perspective, you know, I'm looking at crypto as crypto's not going anywhere, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I truly believe that. I do think it's the future. I do think, you know, it's going to become bigger and bigger and bigger. So for me, it's actually a case of buying some of the currencies that I think are still going to be around in 40 years time and putting money into them. Very similar to how I would put them into my stocks and shares ISA, you know, just put, yep. just buying it every, every month, a little incremental bit. And it's, that is what I think needs to get taught. It's the, don't get, you know, the shiny penny syndrome. Don't get the, um, you know, yeah, you're getting yeah, financially yeah. free in seven days bollocks because all the people that have made millions in Bitcoin, vast majority were just a bit lucky that they bought a load when it was bloody yeah. cheap. Uh, because yeah. for every person that has made millions on something, there are five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times the amount of people that have lost money. Lost. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's the that, that's the key to this. And I think packaging that all into an answer to your question is, as the financial services industry, we're not we're not in a position where we can give knowledge uh, or, or pass on um, knowledge about how to trade those kind of things but we don't need to be we just need to make the people aware that there is a kind of a, a gradient system of knowledge 100 require in order to be able to get to that stage and if it is something you're genuinely interested in take those steps to do that and get to that level but yeah. educate yourself because there are yeah. ways and means of doing that 100% and I think at the event because <laughs> Angie was quite quite explicit in that with yeah. the traders in the room and obviously I the traders I when, when that happened I literally I was looking at Angie because I, 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 I must I think I said to you like I've been a real big fan of Angie for quite some time when he sat next to me I was like oh sit next to Angie Crane um and but yeah when he was talking about that I looked over and those traders and they were going oh. yeah We've paid, yeah. we've paid money to be here. He's basically telling telling everyone not yeah. to come and work with us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I to mean, be fair, that, that, it's exactly what I was just saying about my friend Paul, who's a forex trader. He knows what he's doing, so I trust him. So I would invest money in him to trade it for me. And a similar kind of thing. Those guys that were there, I don't know them from Adam. They could very well be great guys. Um, I wasn't massively impressed with the guy that stood up on stage. If I'm completely honest with you, but. Um, you know, they might be amazing. And so invest in them because they have the knowledge. They're doing it day to day, you know. So so invest in the people that, that know how to do it and let them get a profit out of your money. That's that's cool. That's absolutely fine. Yeah. It's, it's, it's what you do. It, that's, that's, how the, that's how the world works. Yeah. I don't need, It's very, very interesting because we can go down this rabbit hole all day because I'm a firm believer in you. It's like, you know, trading is very, very different. It takes time, effort. You need to be of a certain skill level and actual mental capacity to be able to do it properly because it's not something that happens in seven days or 10 days. It's, you know, you put in the hard yards to make this sustainable. There's a guy at the moment on TikTok who reviews um, fake traders and the way he exposes them is so sweet. A guy called um, Piresh, um, he's actually, uh, he's been on my channel. He's great. He's freaking awesome oh, and um, he says exactly the same thing it's like it's going to take time guys and there's lots of people out there who are fakers who are just and they make money off the courses of selling mm -hmm. you stuff not because they're yeah. good at trading 
that's what they basically they sell you the dream and that's how they make their money and mm-hmm. I, I completely agree with you there it's like you know there, there are definitely gradients and levels to this stuff and my fear for kids is that on social media because it is very much about the Lamborghini lifestyle the Bentley and the Rolexes and all this kind of just nonsense bullshit that's what they're attracted to and that then brings them into this this danger where that they're going to get ripped off, they're going to get scammed, or they're going to experience something that basically puts them off just investing and doing the basic things that will give them benefit long-term if they just set it and let it play for 20, yeah. 30, 40 years. And it's it's a very precarious place to be. Do you know what? I, I don't, and I'm wary that we've um, we've gone over the hour, so I'll, I'll keep this um, keep this short and sweet and we can, we can wrap up because I know you've got a lot on your plate at the moment. Um, but, but what you just said there is the people that are attracted to Lamborghinis, to the to the, the millionaire lifestyle, I don't think are going to be the ones that that make it. So somebody like him or, or not, look, I, I, I've read I've read Elon Musk's biography. Elon Musk me, is awesome, man. He he is a lover of the game. He doesn't give a crap about how rich he is. Clearly, he doesn't because he's bank, he's almost bankrupt himself. He put his last forty million dollars into yeah. SpaceX and Tesla. There's yeah, a three-part he, episode uh, show on BBC at the moment on Elon. People yeah. should go and watch it. It's I know. I, I, I literally saw it that it was on last night, and I was like, "How have I missed this?" <laughs> so yeah. I'm going to go back and watch them. But that he is a great example of the. Look, that's on a grand scale. Let's shrink that back down to day-to-day life. I so I genuinely I drive an Astra because I don't give a shit about what I drive. Um, the reason I drive it is because I have to drive back and forth to London and from Birmingham like every week, and it's really economical. Um, <laughs> I, I, I live I live in a flat because I don't need any more than this. Do you know what I love? I love running my business. Like I get a genuine kick out of it. We just hired a new member of staff, and it was like Christmas. I was like th- that that this is what gets me genuinely excited. I love chatting to my clients. I love finding them deals. I I love doing this. Money, I don't, I, I mean, look, there are people probably listening, maybe listening to this and go, right, um, you, you know, you're, you're going to fail in your business, Sam, because, you, you know, you're not doing the fundamentals. I don't think about money no, all that but much. Sam, this is the thing. I, what I've learned through my career is money is a byproduct of good work. If you focus yeah. on the good work, exactly. money comes along as a byproduct of it. And that's something that is so hard to do. A lot of people chase the money first, forget the good work. If you make a lot of money, you're not doing good work. Your reputation is shot. If you focus yeah. on good work, your reputation is strong. Money then is attracted to that kind of stuff. And I, I yeah. get 100% what you're saying, mate. There are so many brokers out there that make so much more money than me. And I, I'm not, I, it, that doesn't bother me at all because I give my clients advice based on what's best for them, not, not what's based for my bank account. Obviously, I need to keep the, the you know, the lights on. The lights um, on, yeah. And all that kind of stuff. That's great. But we do that. But we do that. And, and, that's, and I think that's, for me, the message that I try and send out to people through, you know, all of these sorts of channels and stuff that is that... And, and it's kind of, I think I even got this probably from Gary Vaynerchuk originally. Um, it was like, it's like, love love the game, you know, not not the goal. Um, the goal will kind of take care of itself if you love the game. And if you if you enjoy waking up every morning and playing that game, then you ultimately you, you've got the greatest chance of success. Because if all you're thinking about is money, when times are tough, you're not thinking, I want to buy a Lamborghini. You're thinking, oh, I need to keep the lights on. Um, if you, but if you love what you're doing on a day-to-day basis, you may very well not get to that point in the first place. 
And that's kind of, that's always been my message to people that ask me anything to do with like, you know, how do I become successful? It's like find something yeah. that you just genuinely love doing that you are where you're helping people solve problems. And if you do both of those things in tandem, the money should follow. Yeah. And, and 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 you know what i will i just want to put a slant on that for the social media because we're on youtube right now and mm -hmm. i think this is really really important you know my channel isn't that big compared to some of the other big youtubers that are out there but you know one i like i said i focus on good work my goal is to share what i have here in simple ways so that people can understand it take it make better financial decisions that's what my shtick is that's my version of good work mm -hmm. i think you need to be extremely careful when you're online on Instagram, on TikTok, on YouTube, because, you know, ultimately what has happened over the last 12 months is a lot of YouTubers have been exposed for the fact that they were pushing meme coins. They were being paid to push particular stocks. And obviously now that they're exposed, all they basically do is they delete those videos. You need to be careful about the shiny thing um, mm -hmm. kind of dream that people start selling you on social media, because oftentimes there are ulterior motives. The amount of times that I've been offered 10 grand, 15 grand to make a video or to have a placement in my video. And I'm like, what is it for? Well, it's for this new crypto i'm like no because my reputation means more than 10 15000 pounds exactly. and i think it's it's hard to discern and what i say to people is if it's a channel or if it's a tiktok or it's an instagram account go back go back 2 years and see if their tone of voice is consistent. If what they're talking about is consistent with what they're talking about now, that will give you a good indication of whether this person is either doing stuff that is trendy going with the tide, going with the hypes, or whether there's a real core substance to what they're talking about. It's, yeah. it's, it is a mind, it is, it is the jungle out here on social media right now. Mm -hmm. And you just need to be extremely careful of what you're consuming, who you're listening to, and get your information from different sources. I say to people who subscribe to my channel all the time, don't just listen to me, listen to me, listen to maybe Jen at Mama Furfa, listen to a mm -hmm. few other people. You get those opposing views or maybe views that are the same you take what you think is right do further research and form your own opinion you should Agreed. never be taking advice from anybody on social media ever <laughs> take tips take tips oh i like what he said there that that kind of makes sense how do i implement that but never copy what someone is doing when it comes to investing or trading stock picking or anything like that on social media because you just don't know number one their circumstances will be very very different to yours so it's not going to be compatible anyway yeah i know I, I completely agree absolutely um and one thing quickly graham has asked can we find um this live video and catch up yes um it, this is going to be a video forever graham um on on youtube so you can you can watch this and um, you can listen back as well um i'm going to be putting this up on my game of loans podcast next week um so you can go and check it out there um, also go and follow Peter on Instagram. It's running along the bottom of the screen, conversations of money. Go and check that out. Um, Peter, honestly, this is, this hasn't been work for me. This is great. Like I just love you. You're, awesome good, you're so knowledgeable. You're so chat, chat, um, such, so, such an easy person to talk to. And I love the fact that you agree with me on loads of stuff as well, which is brilliant. So, well, <laughs> so uh, great, great, great minds think alike. You're in Birmingham. Mm -hmm. So mate, I try to do one week in, one day a week in Birmingham. So we should catch up for hundred percent or something, mate. I am definitely, definitely down for that. You've, you, you've just used the magic word, which is beer. So, so that, that, <laughs> um, I'm already in, already in. Um, but, uh, but no, honestly, mate, it's been a genuine, genuine pleasure catching up with you. I loved your, your presentation last week at Peak Performance, um, and instantly I was like, I need to just take this opportunity to to get you on the show. So, 
look, just just thanks for sharing. Uh, thanks for for chatting with me. And um, yeah, hopefully you get a few more follows out of this. Um, we haven't had a lot of people following, but hopefully you get something out of it as well. Yeah, cool. No worries. Cheers, Sam. I appreciate your time, mate. And thanks for the invite. Yep, that's it. Thank you so much for sticking around to the end of the episode, guys. If you have enjoyed this episode or any of the other Game of Loans podcast episodes, please, I would ask you a massive favour to leave a five-star review. It massively helps me grow the podcast and reach more people that will hopefully enjoy the episodes as much as you have. Thank you so much in advance for this, and I'll hopefully see you on the next episode.